Tree Huggers. Welcome back. I'm Stacey Pulley, co-owner of Family Tree Therapies. And I'm Terry Cooper, the other co-owner of Family Tree Therapies. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thanks. Today, a very important topic, like we always say, but I'm saying it again, nasal breathing. Mm. Are you breathing through your nose right now? Right now I am. Right now, mm. she is. She is. Okay, so let's talk about why it's important for nasal breathing. We've heard a lot about it. There's some books that have been released. We're going to link those in the in notes later. But people have been talking a lot more, which I'm grateful for, about breathing through your nose and why that... I couldn't quite get nose out. Close enough. <laughs> what we want to see from birth through your entire life mm. is your mouth closed. It is never... Well, while you're breathing. Not necessarily while you're talking. We need your mouth to be Correct. open while you're talking. Yes. But if your infant, your toddler, your school-aged child, if you're noticing their mouth is open, their lips are parted, either at rest during play, especially during sleep, a lot of times people mm -hmm. will come in and will ask if they're breathing through their mouth at night, and they'll say no. I want you to check, though, and make sure. And we're going to talk about why that's so important. But first things first, do a check visually on everybody in the room. Are their lips together? Now, if that doesn't, with your lips together... Oftentimes people think of like, oh, their mouth is closed, but there's just this ever so slight of a part. Just a little bit. Not okay. That's not okay. Even that, not okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about why. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about why it's so important. So from birth, what you want to see is that you're getting something called lingual palatal connection. Whoa. That's a lot. Mm. That's a lot. But let's break it down. Your tongue <clears throat> to your palate. That's all we're saying. So you sitting here. The palate here, is the roof of your mouth. Oh, yeah. Okay. Palate is the roof of your mouth. Good. No lingo in this podcast. Mm -mm. So as you're listening right now, assess. Where are your teeth? Where are your lips? Where is your tongue? Is your tongue floating in your mouth? Is your tongue on the bottom of your mouth resting down? Or is the tongue on top of your palate shaping your palate? Now, that doesn't just mean the tip of your tongue. It means your entire tongue. So the back of your tongue, for example, say the word cat, k -k cat. Go ahead, Tara, say that. Can you, can you feel that? Mm -hmm. So you say that sound, k or k. I want that part of your tongue up too. Because sometimes people will tell me, oh, it's up there. But it really is just the front of their tongue anchored behind their front teeth. But the rest of their tongue is whoop, falling down. So the tongue being up there and having that good suction early on helps us to shape the palate mm -hmm. and make it nice and wide so that the teeth have plenty of room to come in. So that then our pharynx, or the opening in the back of our mouth, can spread out nice and wide. And we can have a nice open airway because that's really important, obviously, for health for the rest of our lives. What we see a lot of when kids come in, we might get them, um, you know, a little later, maybe 5, 7, 8, 9, 10. And they come in and they're having these patterns where their mouth is actually a little bit open. Demonstration again. Just, just a little parting. When, when pe we ask people if they breathe through their mouth, sometimes they're like, Oh, no, that doesn't happen because they have a preconceived notion that I mean, like, uh, breathing through their mouth. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be that large. It can be, like Terry said, just really subtle. Anytime your lips are parted, even that little tiny gap, it keeps your tongue away from the roof of your mouth. Now, some contraindications, some reasons that might happen, especially in infants, would be a tongue tie. Mm -hmm. And so what a tongue tie is, is that little piece of tethered tissue right underneath your tongue. I don't have one. I mean, I have... I do. She does. So we're, yeah, we're going to get that taken care of. Zip, zip, a little laser. So when you have that little piece of tissue that's tethered right there, and they were, it wasn't as common to get that done when you were a baby. I'm sorry. That, a long time That ago. really aged off. <laughs> it was not common. But now people do pay attention, which I love because of the fact that, and with all the years that Terry and I have been in practice together, we've seen it change through the years of how important it is to understand that lingual palatal connection has to happen. 
for speech, for feeding, for posture, for head writing, so many things mm -hmm. that happen start with that good organization. If you've listened to any of our other podcasts with our vision and our tongue up and our reflexes active in a way that we are open and our scapula's down our back and our neck is nice and long and our airway is wide. There's so many things that have to happen in the beginning to set us up for a lifetime of success. What we see is we're seeing kids who already didn't have that kind of early beginning success. Mm -hmm. And so they either already have some postural concerns, they have a tongue tie that wasn't identified, they have mouth breathing patterns at night, and now they have a low tongue position and they're having a hard time with that oxygen CO2 exchange, which can lead to dysregulation, mm -hmm. can look like inattention, sleep um, problems, sleep problems, anxiety, and even which is interesting, picky eating. A lot of our kids with picky eating mm -hmm. um, or just look like a behavioral thing, like they don't want to chew meat or they don't like a certain um, textures or sensations in their mouth, it's because their tongue doesn't have the freedom to actually control those different textures, and so it feels unsafe. And so subconsciously, so they're choosing not to have those things. Mm -hmm. Something with a mixed consistency, like you bite into a piece of fruit, and there's also liquid behind that fruit. So now they have to chew, but they have to be swallowing the thin liquid at the same time. I mean, brains are smart, bodies are smart, we know how to protect ourselves. So then what does it look like? It looks like a conscious choice, it looks like a cortical function, but it really didn't start there. It started with this good lingual palatal connection. So what else do you want to add from an OT perspective and then we'll keep going? Yes, from an OT perspective, I like to think about the tongue as one of our main points of balance. It is a very strong muscle within our body. And as Stacy was mentioning, if and when the tongue is properly positioned, up on the roof of your mouth, that actually helps to maintain head writing, keeping your head up. That helps with then your vision. We have a nice podcast on vision that has also been done. What happens is if your jaw is open and your tongue is forward, it can lead to more of a head forward posture. It can lead to more slouching and you try to sit up straight. But if your tongue is down and your jaw is open, sitting up straight now becomes such a much more difficult thing to do. Also, as Stacy was mentioning, tongue ties and our little ones, there's an entire fascial system that connects from our toe, all, or from our tongue, all the <laughs> way down to our toes. So if you have some sort of tethered oral tissue, oftentimes you'll see other types of fascial restrictions somewhere else in the body. Fascia being sort of this slimy layer that's on top of muscles that helps things slide and glide and move. If there is a restriction somewhere in that, it can lead to a, sort of a subtle uh, head turning preference, which if unaddressed in an infant could potentially turn into a torticollis. Or later in adult life, it could have something to do with posture and how you're able to sit up straight and what happens and you might always have that kink in your rib or in your back. Yep. That wasn't addressed towards you. I, I feel like that was a direct hit. <laughs> I did show at my me. tongue tie. <laughs> that was directly at me. Okay, go so, ahead. So as a grown-up who has a tongue tie, you can see that my oxygen saturation isn't necessarily my strong suit. We may have had this conversation. Correct. And I'm saying that because <laughs> I was able to become a successful adult. I sleep well through the night. Um, however... For your overall health and overall wellness and overall cardiopulmonary functioning, I'm considering having mine released. Back to OT is less She's about... She's going to do it, actually. Less about me. She's going to do it. If the tongue is a muscle, one of the most important things that we can do to help the tongue find its place as an OT is really going back to tummy time. 
oftentimes our kiddos who um, spend so much time on their back, if we think about the tongue as a muscle and we think about gravity, that can kind of help. Gravity pushes the tongue backwards and down. Whereas if you are on your tummy and resting your head on each side and picking it up, that changes your head and your tongue position relative to gravity, which is going to significantly help with training the eight different muscles that are within the tongue. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about a few do's and don'ts, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so pacifiers is a big one. Ooh, I know that it's a touchy subject and people think, oh, but I need the pacifier because I need a break or I need to relax, or I want the baby to be happy, and I get all of that. Mm -hmm. I do. And maybe Stacy SLP, 10, 15 years ago, would have said, like, anything to get through the day, I get it, but I'm going to go ahead and say no. We need to be weaning those kids off of that artificial palatal connection as fast as we can. Mm -hmm. So it's okay initially, maybe, if you, if you have to. If they don't take it. If they don't take it, we're not going to force it. We're not going to hold it in there. Please don't hold it in there. So if they're not taking it, there's a couple of things. Number one, they could have some kind of issue where they can't hold on to it because they've got something else going on in their body, in their neck, in their jaw, that they don't have the muscular strength and they can't organize their tongue around it. Or perhaps potentially they don't even need it because we didn't always need this artificial thing. So we don't want to have anything get in the way of lingual palatal connection because that, like you said, shapes the airway, helps the teeth to grow in, helps the airway to be wide. So that's the very first concern. And then for you guys, you do and don't for infants, you're talking about what? Tummy time? Head Tummy writing. time is the number one. Mm -hmm. uh, making sure that your head and you feel comfortable in all positions, meaning on your tummy, on your side, you can find that safety and stability from each one of those positions. And then as an OT, sucking in general, this flexion and pulling stuff in should be linked more with a um, convergence of the eyes. Whereas if you have this pacifier that you're sucking and your eyes are looking out far, there's this huge connection between the tongue and the visual system and that can kind of change things. And then in addition, there's various shapes of different pacifiers and some of them don't actually promote that tongue cupping that we want. They promote more of this flattening and tongue coming forward, which then changes your neck and your visual system as well. Right. We definitely don't want the pacifier to be orthodontic in nature. We don't want it to be shaping the uh, palate and then keeping the tongue in a flattened position. Mm -hmm. The tongue needs to be able to do all kinds of things. It has external muscles to push it out. It has internal muscles to change its shape. And it needs to be able to learn how to do all those things on its own without mm -hmm. some kind of um, you know false equipment teaching it how to do it. Your body needs to be the one to be teaching how to do it. Um, there's a lot of different oral skills that will help you get there. If you're an older child or if you notice like, uh-oh, I'm noticing my toddler is, is uh, not on a pacifier, but is mouth breathing at night. There are a lot of different things that we would utilize within the body mm -hmm. through therapy and also within the mouth through feeding tools um, and utensils and different work intraorally. There's a lot of different devices that we actually recommend. Um, and then we work with airway-centric dentists that can help mm -hmm. us with monitoring that development and that growth and make sure that that is happening at a speed that it needs to and does it need a little bit of assist or can we do it with just therapy alone. So we definitely need to be monitoring how we're getting those lips together, but also the tongue up. Because mm -hmm. as adults, if you check in yourself right now and you might be thinking about it as you're driving or listening, your mouth can be closed, but your teeth can be really far apart. Mm -hmm. And your tongue can still be away from the palate. Mm -hmm. So what can we be doing? And we do myofunctional therapy and some other things that help a, an, an adult to get that tongue lifted once we've gotten rid of any kind of lingual restriction. So mm -hmm. very important 
uh, obviously, and I'm a speech pathologist, I didn't even talk about speech. So <laughs> obviously speech clarity, it's important. But when we see speech clarity and we think about, oh, that's unintelligible or that child can't make like tongue tip sounds like T, D, or N, or they can't make the back sounds like K and G. Sometimes those articulatory patterns can tell me where the tongue lives in the mouth and what work I need to do on the tongue. So the speech problem is more, it's not necessarily an articulation disorder. It's a symptom. It's a mm -hmm. symptom of something else. It's a symptom of something underlying. So I'm not just going to look at it and say, I'm going to do flashcards and address speech. I'm going to actually listen to the pattern and I'm going to go, where is that tongue not moving and hitting and grooving the way that it should? And I'm going to go back and teach the tongue how to do that foundationally. And usually we need to go deep into the body to do that. In addition to, you know, a, a integrating that tongue movement with a lot of other movement within the body and the visual system. So mm -hmm. there's a lot to be done. And what we are seeing and what we'd like to see less of Mm -hmm. is older kids with these challenges that we know we could have prevented when they were younger. So mm -hmm. that is really a, a passion of mm -hmm. ours and why we want to talk about this today and why it's so important is because if we can set our kids up for success now in that birth to 12-month range and see what's typical and what's not, and even if the information makes you a little uncomfortable or you think, you know, I'm just trying to get through my day, I get it. We want you to get through the day too, but we also want to grow these mm -hmm. thriving little humans. So mm -hmm. um, important. Well, and I was going to say, sometimes there's this vicious cycle, whereas your baby comes out, they didn't take the pacifier, they're beautifully nose breathing, their lips were together, and then they get a cold. And then they get some sort of a congestion. And actually, this vicious cycle sort of happens where you get a stuffed up nose, and then you breathe through your mouth. And then that actually, because of anatomy and because of how things work, that actually perpetuates even further... Um, mouth breathing and a narrowing of the nasal passages over time. So we want to make sure that we're seeing these things as early on um, and addressing them as, as much as possible. Breathing is the most important. And as long as we have a safe airway, then we can begin to address and work with some of these other things. And then from the OT perspective, a lot of times our kids with sensory processing disorders, um, our kids who are very easily dysregulated, have big emotions, big reactions, have a really hard time sleeping. Oftentimes these regulatory concerns are linked with sleep concerns, which are linked with open mouth breathing mm -hmm. and in a sleep disordered breathing challenge that we can as OTs and speech help address and then help link with other community partners. Right. Sleep disordered breathing and ADHD, very similar. And actually we have a pediatric sleep questionnaire that we'll, we'll link mm -hmm. to this that you can download mm -hmm. and just take a look at it. Um, all the information, uh, the, the more we can get you, the better, because we obviously we want to prevent a lot of these challenges that Terry and I the longer we've been in practice together, can see how we could have prevented it if we would have seen this, this, and this, or if you parents would have known mm -hmm. these different things early on, how we could have prevented them together as a partnership. So that's our goal. Mm -hmm. So if you have any questions, as always, you can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. You can email us at office at familytreetherapies.com. You can call us 616-447-7799. We have free telehealth screenings. We also have free complimentary, um, that's the meaning of free, is complimentary. Mm -hmm. It is. <laughs> phone consults. So there's a lot of ways to reach out to us and a lot of ways for us to get your questions answered. So if you have anything at all, just let us know and we appreciate you listening. Thanks a lot. Thanks.